When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, back with you, top of the hour. If you're watching on YouTube right now, DB and I have switched sides. DB is now on the left, and I am on the right because normally I'm right. Oh, look oh, what he did. Never mind. Now DB's back to being He's right. He's such no, a trickster. Oh, oh, we switched back again. Now Shane's just having fun over there in his corner. It's coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Uh, we are live from the H and H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. An hour of guests coming your way. We'll talk to Kevin Suits at eight thirty, and we'll follow it up with Eric Warfield at eight forty-five. But for now, let's welcome in Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker. 24 7. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? BC. Good morning. How are it's you? Always buddy? a good day when we get to talk to you. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Um, I enjoy talking to you guys, too. So, your colleague, I'm pretty excited. He sent me a message a couple of days ago that he, Mike J. Schaefer, is in fact doing a Super 6 composite again. And for the record, BC, I just want you to know, he can confirm, I got it in immediately. <laughs> You're usually the last one, Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got didn't, it. didn't mean to call you out on the radio like that, but I, I think that's a known <laughs> I got it immediately. I like thing by now. Whew. All right. So, yeah. B, BC, I, I got to know. You're, you're watching this thing kind of unfold. It's the number one quarterback in the country. Shoot me straight. Does Brian Christofferson have Dylan Rayola fatigue? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, he, he's such a big-time player and is going to mean so much to whatever recruiting class he picks. I understand that the coverage is going to be through the roof. Um, I think Nebraska has made their case very well, and I'll just say that I like Nebraska's positioning right now. Um, we'll see how it plays out over the next couple months, but um, I think they've done everything right since Rule staff has taken uh, hold over there. Um, you know, including sending nine guys at one time to visit them. I, you know, you're sending statements like that, and obviously there's the connection with his uncle here. I just like how Nebraska's approached it. I think there's a good feeling about how Rule handles his business from the Riola family, from the interviews he's done with 24-7 Sports. So I'm optimistic on Nebraska's behalf, but we'll see. Brian, do you like, uh, from a quarterback standpoint, somebody that you know is labeled as the guy, or would you rather see quarterback competition in the room? I like uh, competition always everywhere. Mm. Um, so I don't mind if there's a guy who's presumed to be the favorite by the public and there's a there's sort of a feeling that, um, 
you know, he's got the resume coming in and is going to win. But that guy needs to not think that. And you need to surround him with with uh, prospects that could beat him out. And you also have to make it known your room, I think, at any position. Uh, this is nobody's job for sure. Uh, we, we're going on what you do in front of us, not what you've done before, not what recruiting ranking you had. And I know Matt Rule has done interviews where he said during their time at Nebraska, they'll start everybody under the sun. They'll start a walk-on at some point. They'll start all sorts of players at key spots. So uh, I don't think we should just put anybody in pen. Um, and I'm not just talking about if, like, Riola got here, but at any position, I, I think we got to be careful with the new staff to act like we know exactly what they're going to do. I, I think they want it to be as competitive as heck. That's why there's a, a – there's big scholarship roster numbers. There's 40 new guys on campus. This is going to be a, a, quite an off season as far as the competitive standpoint, I think. BC, you're super smart, so I'm asking you. How do you think – and I know he's a quick thinker. He's an amazingly good quick thinker. How do you think he's mastered the art so far of being chummy but supremely confident? Because I think he exudes both those things at the exact same time. Yeah, he does do that pretty well, I'd say. Um, as somebody who doesn't do that himself, I'm not a good spokesperson on that. <laughs> but um, it is a gift, I think, to uh, be able to connect. Uh, I think the people who are who are just great communicators, they make the person who they're answering the question or talking to feel like they're the only one in the room for that moment. And not a lot of people actually do that. Mm. One thing I'll say in our brief interactions with Matt rule, like when he's done media uh, things locally is I notice when someone asks him a question, he really dials into that person that asked the question, you know, and he's looking at them and it's, it's, it's a, almost like a one-on-one -on -one conversation takes place, even though he's in the media room. And, that's a subtle thing, but I think it's stuff like that that um, tells you someone's a, a pretty um, artful communicator or understands how to do it well. But I think the confidence probably comes from the fact that they have built programs. He sort of knows the formula they want to use. They've done it before. They're doing it again. And there's a track record that it has worked for them. And so with that, you're sort of you're going to be under the belief that it can work again. We're talking to Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Toss him a follow on Twitter, at Husker247BC. Brian, how much further ahead would you say Rule is today opposed to his time at Baylor and Temple? Yeah, I do think they're uh, a, a lap ahead of where they were there. Um, he pointed this out on one of his interviews. You know, at Temple – they were in the middle of sort of switching conferences and elevating. Uh, I believe it was going to the American Athletic Conference at that time. And so I think uh, they took some lumps on the head the first year sort of because they were switching levels of competition somewhat, and also he was building at the same time. And then at Baylor, that, that one's pretty obvious to everybody. That was just like a, a very limited roster the first year. They had to start over with a ton of freshmen, um, I think they had like 40, 45 scholarship guys on the team when he took over. They were very 
down in the dumps with alignment. I think he said they had three or four scholarship alignment when they walked in the door. And remember last week's press conference with us when he said, I want 16 alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nebraska's got like 15 of them right now on scholarship, and that's not even counting walk-ons, or it's somewhere around there. So if you even just look at, like, the O-line and certain positions at Nebraska, you can see that there's a lot more stocked in the cupboards than there were at those previous stops for various reasons. And also, I think they truly believe there's actually some good football players that have been left here. Um, and it's a maybe a better team than the record has warranted over the last few years. And now it's about, you know, building that chemistry and that sort of uh, connection within a, a specific team in 23. But um, I, I do think they, they believe, and I'm, I'm basing it off rules comments, that uh, they're, they're ahead of those first years at other places where there's a little bit more expectation this time. BC, on uh Hill Varsity Radio show yesterday, Schmidt and – my man Herbal Essence, we're talking to Ron Brown, and he said something like kind of diagnosing coach rule that I think is unbelievably astute. He said, I think you have to have a certain level of fearlessness, right? You, you have to be able to overcome intimidation. That's one of the characteristics that he likes about coach rule. I, it seems like he said a million things without saying much at all. But can't you immediately see how that would be beneficial at this job in Nebraska? Yeah. Um, you're talking about fearlessness, I guess. I. Yeah, I'm thinking that through a little bit. That's an, It's an interesting quote. I, I thought it was spectacular um, because he said – I thought about – Dealing with media, the pressures that come with it, the 50 people out of practice, the the not falling into, well, we've done it this way, the black shirt tradition, the former players. Yeah. Like, there's just so much that comes with this job. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to be you, – you can't be intimidated by the masses. No, that's a good point. you got to be unafraid to do it your way and um not get um sort of bullied by the masses for lack of a better way of saying it into well this is a way it's done around here don't you see you know you're you got to do this you got to do that um there's history behind this um and i'm not saying with that like do away with the black shirts or something like that but i i i just think Sometimes we do get really stuck in in Nebraska, like, oh, this is the way it was done, so you got to keep doing it that way. And that way hasn't worked necessarily um, lately. So I I think I think you can. I like what they have said at various points. Is you embrace that there is history here. You appreciate that about that place, but you also have to have an eye toward what's next. What's the thing where we can get out in front of people? Um, like Nebraska used to do. And, you know, that, that was the thing about Tom Osborne that made him so great. Yes, he was a great X's and O's schemer, but he was an innovator. Like he was somebody, and he was somebody who was ahead of like, this is what we need to be in the weight room. You know, this is what we need to do here and there. And all these outside aspects, people other in other places weren't paying as close of attention to. So 
I do think uh, that is required in that position to be bold and to just, you know, be yourself, respect how it's been done, but also um, these are the different angles where we're going to maybe tweak it a little bit. And I think the benefit right now of coming in as Nebraska's head coach is it has been so bleak around here that I do think the fan base is more in tune with like, yeah, let's, let's try different things. Let's see what, let's see what the new guy has to offer. And, um, you know, maybe a different point of view um, could be useful at this point. To expand on that what next point, let's look at, or what's next, excuse me. Uh, let's look at uh, positional outlooks for next season. Uh, based on, say, the recruits that committed in the past few weeks, uh, or even just who is returning on the current roster, uh, which positions do you think receive the biggest boost for next season? I think um, I think the secondary is very strong on paper, actually. Um, I mean, they return everybody um, that was a starter almost, and then I just think there's all sorts of intriguing guys who have popped in that are going to make that competition uh, bump along pretty well. Uh, so that spot I, I like. Um, I think tight end is the most fascinating sidebar of all, just like what – they can get done with Eric Gilbert and, uh, you know, Fedone maybe being healthy now and um, just, like, how that works out. I mean, you have two of the the top tight ends in back-to-back classes now, um, hopefully going forward at the same time, and that's that's really interesting to me. Um, You know, the the D-line and how that sorts out is probably the one where I – I hate to put put like, oh, that's a question mark. I mean, we, we're a ways away from spring ball. But D-line's a spot where I, I don't know as much about certain guys and how they're going to fit yet or how they're going to play up front or what uh, exactly, how they're going to align themselves, honestly. So D-line is probably my biggest curiosity is the word I would use of those position groups. And uh, receivers up there, too, because it's just, they need more chairs in the room now. They've just loaded that competition up, and it's going to be all sorts of interesting. Um, BC, this level of surprise um, that I put Jaden Doss and my Super 6. Reach, I you can see it, or you like it. No, I have no problem with that. I'm a Jaden Doss fan. I don't know if he'll be on mine. I actually haven't done it yet. Um, I'm I'm the last one of the party this time, Damon, um, and getting that in. Um, but uh, I like Doss a lot because, I mean, I remember when he committed, people need to not take this the wrong way, but you would hear the Debo thing, and it was just meant to be like, this is a jack-of-all-trades guy. Like, he's, uh, um, you know, you can line up. He, he can run it. He can catch it. He can do everything you want as a versatile um, just athlete. And... Um, I think people forgot a little bit about him in the recruiting cycle. I think that tends to happen because when guys commit earlier and they just stay loyal, we kind of get all fired up in December about, oh, what about this new guy and this that new guy, and then you have the portal additions. People need to go back and think about Jaden Doss, Riley Van Poppel, you know, some of those guys who just hung around steady, Dwight Boodle. Guys like that who were in this class for a while, uh, they've known what they want to do. They stayed with it. 
And I know that the previous staff and Bill Bush thought an awful lot of Jaden Dawson. That was viewed as a huge score uh, when they, they got him as a recruit. So I don't think that's a reach at all. When you put together your Super 6, what position group are you leaning on in the upper half? I think it can be all over the map. Like, I, I bet you Tristan Alvano's on mine. I mean, you know, He's on mine as well. He's on mine as well. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll, he'll probably end up in the, when it's all put together, the composite, I bet he'll be in the, the top four or five. And uh, I think that's just an understanding in this fan base of, I mean, how many close games has this program lost over the recent years? And then you think about just watching Big Ten football each week. There's all these, like, 16 to 13, 2016 kind of games. If you have that kicker who you feels like um, you know, it's a 53-yarder and he can hit it, um, or you, that 44-yarder is in the bank and you don't have to go for it on fourth and three, um, that's, that changes everything. So um, there's, there's a lot of pressure with that, but I know Damon knows as well as anybody that Tristan is, uh, is built pretty well for it. So I think he'd be a guy that you would think strongly about. Um, I, I think it's going to be really scattered from position to position. I don't think it's going to just be dominated by um, anybody. Um, if I were to say a p- possible sleeper, um, Ethan Nation is one that I've been thinking about, uh, the defensive back. I just like, whenever I see stuff pop up about him, I just like, I like how he goes about his business. He's kind of undersized and stuff like that, but so was Malcolm Hartsog, and I was a big believer in him a year ago. So I wonder if Nation could be sort of that guy in this class, but we'll see. Also on my list. Yeah, it's, that's funny. Also it was. on my list. So I saw, I was talking to Tristan last night, um, watching the Westside Lincoln East debacle. And we were talking after the game, and he's running track because oh, cool. he wants to be more athletic, and he thinks jumping will work on his leg strength, and track training will help his hip flexibility. He's not playing soccer as an all-state caliber soccer player so because of risk of injury, but he's doing track to work on leg strength. That's when I say you don't need a baby, he doesn't need a babysitter. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Dedication, man. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, Nebraska had a scholarship kicker on their roster and added him. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a coaching staff that's like got to have that guy. And I think everybody around here, I've never seen it quite like this. After that state title game, there have been examples close to it, but I don't know if I've ever seen the fervor like there was within the fan base. Like, Nebraska's got to have that guy. Like, they need him. Like, they, you can't let him go to Iowa or anything like that. And there was just like this, uh, it was across-the-board agreement that a kicker um, needed to be in this class. And I don't say that in any way demeaning. I mean that as, like, that's how good Alvano was to the eyes of this state. Um, is that uh, he, he, he just felt like an automatic guy as people watched him. They're like, I want that guy in the clutch uh, with the game on the line on my side, not kicking against me on Black Friday. You know what it was, BC? The Nebraska fans were having flashbacks to Keegan Johnson's coming out party in the state championship when he had been really good yeah. all season. And Nebraska's kind of like, eh. Then he plays his ass off in the state championship, and everybody's like, we got to get that guy. We got to get that guy. Nebraska fans yeah. weren't going to let that happen again with Tristan Alvano. 
Yeah, it feels like in-state recruiting is a little different right now. I don't right? Know. Um, it does. It, yeah, uh, and I, I know that that conversation's getting beat to death, but um, I think I think there's truth to it. And you know, you bring up Keegan, another interesting guy in this class. Um, Ismail Smith Flores coming in late. Completely. I don't agree. know if a big enough deal was made of the fact that you know his dad was an Iowa Legacy Hall of Famer in Nebraska. You know, stole him away from Iowa. I know Bob Wager and the connection there, but um, if that were the other way around, you know people would be losing their minds. Like, how do Iowa take this guy away from Nebraska? So I think people need to recognize sometimes when it goes the other way, too. Just saying. BC, I'm over here losing my mind. Yeah. I, was I, talk- I feel like DB was just on mute over here based on I, all of his I facial was expressions. Ex- I, wasn't I not... S- so I almost put him as my sleeper, and I'm like, you know what? Watching his tape for a guy that hasn't played that long, you know, being recruited like that, He's a, he's pretty good. Like that's a good get. And I spent like f- four minutes basically just yelling at Andrew as he's nodding in affirmation because he has no idea why I'm so excited about it. But I'm like, we just flipped the kid that is a legacy guy, and he's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Iowa offered him mid fall. I mean, only like four or five games into his uh, one season, and as they you are said. very selective. Yes, and they would, uh, and people can say what they want about Iowa football, but they know a thing or two about the tight end position. We'd have to say that. I mean, they've had some really good ones. They have the best guys in the world that you know played at Iowa at that position. So, um, I I think um, I just feel like that's one people are sleeping on. I get it because he's only played a year. Um, I like both him and Jeremiah Charles out of out of Arlington. I don't think those were forces at all. I know the Wager connection, and some people kind of wonder about that, but um, I, I've i talked to both those kids and just the way they are and sort of their mindset, I think they're going to fit well. I just So that's one I just thought, you know, if that, the shoe were on the other foot and his dad had gone to Nebraska and he, he was going to Iowa, we would, you know, everyone here would be all the talk for weeks and, and no one cares the other way. So I, I'm just saying we got to be a little fair about that sometimes. BC, call me crazy, but, um, you know, when putting together my my list, I, I led with an O-lineman and my sleeper was actually an O-lineman as well. I really like Machicek down low as, as a sleeper oh, yeah. on his team. Um, which well, you guys are in cahoots. Which he, he – could be like defensive as well, and you can touch on that too. But at the top, like you know, DB. Had, do you care if I share? Like, do you care no, go I, ahead. DB had Van Poppel at the top of his list, and I know a lot of people have mm-hmm. or, or will put Malachi Coleman at the top of their list. But when I looked at team need, I addressed offensive line again, even though there are some returners there. I like Gunnar Gatula. What do you think about having? him that high on the list or do you think others and I don't want to say more deserving because every recruit is deserving of the spot on this list but uh do you think I'm crazy for going that high there no just have patience young Andrew because um (laughs) people are (laughs) I'm telling you people on these lists people like to put their guys who are going to blow up they think the first year or two but these lists aren't just about that. It's over the long haul. And if you're picking offensive linemen, you have to have it in mind. Like, yeah, it might take toward like 25, like it might be 24, 25 till we see some of these guys, right? Like actually on the field as main guys. Um, so I think you got to keep that in mind. 
and you can make a good case for them. I like Sam Sledge a lot. Yeah, you he's know, another one. A possibility. He was my sleeper. Uh, yeah, and uh, I always struggle with Jason's name, Achachak. Everybody knows <laughs> who I'm talking about out of South Dakota. Right. Uh, um, it looks like he's going to start on the D-line. Um, that kind of flipped in the last couple of weeks, so he's probably a D-lineman to start, but he would be a guy who I would definitely consider as a sleeper too. Hey, I love going back and forth with you every Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining the show. We appreciate it, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, BC. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, yep. coming up Thanks, next, guys. we are talking to another cat out of Lincoln, and that man's name is Kevin Suits. He'll be joining the show. Uh, lots to talk about, and maybe we'll start with high school next. Let's get it.